0: The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. We're moving along in John, and uh, we're in the midst of um, this incredible passage leading up to the cross and the resurrection. We're going to hit the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And these are just incredible words uh, where we get this glimpse of a God who isn't distant, but as it says in the beginning of John, who uh, became a human being. He became flesh. He moved into our neighborhood. He's a God that isn't distant. He's a God that has come close so that We could have life in him. And the passage that we're going to look look at again this morning is just a wonderful passage uh, that is needed by every one of us at some point in our lives. And and maybe some of us are there today. You can see the title. It says, Are You Beyond Forgiveness? I... uh, I was reflecting as I was going to preach on how many times I think I've blown it one too many times. Have you ever been there? We've all been there, right? Where we think we've blown it one too many times and, and, and we've just, uh, it's like, now what? Uh, maybe <clears throat> maybe one too many times I, I spoke abruptly to my wife and kind I'm of like, or... Or I disciplined my kids too harshly, or my grandkids, or my great grand—no, I don't have great grand. <laughs> I've looked at something I shouldn't have looked at, and I said, I'd, "I'll never do this again." Or I treated somebody poorly, or you know, I could go on and on. I—I I don't know if some of you were there this morning, and this is a, this is a, a wonderful message. For us, you know, if if you're at the place where we're wondering, is God finally fed up with me? <laughs> what I did last night or this past week was at the last straw. I mean, my temper again, my the addiction that I gave into again, my speech, what I said, my attitude, my pride, um, my repeated sinning over and over again, Has it been the last straw? And is God finally like done with me? When is it the last straw? (laughs) And do you feel like you're there? The question as as we come into John this morning is, what happens when we really, I mean really have messed up this time? What happens? And this is, I try to capture what I think we're going to see in John this morning with this statement, that when we lose hope because of our unfaithfulness, when we've lost or we've given up hope because of our unfaithfulness again, our hope is in Jesus's faithfulness. And we're going to get an incredible example today in the life of Peter. If you've read the Gospels very many times, you know that Peter is a good example for us to look at. I mean, we're going to come to the passage here in uh, John 18, 15 to 27, where Peter denies Jesus. Um, we're going to look at some verses leading up to it, but we're going to come to the point where Peter, uh, he's its like seems like it's the last straw for him where this this his master jesus the one who he's declared is the christ the son of god i mean he said that with his own lips that you are the christ i mean he comes to the point to where he just says i don't want anything to do with him i don't have anything to do with him and then what what happens so let's pray just before we, we dive in here, Father. I know personally, just from the last few weeks, uh, again what it is to come to the point to where, man, how could I do that? How could I, how could I be that? And it can be a, a place where we just feel such hopelessness. Um, Father, I pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, and I I pray especially for those who are here this morning and might be feeling that hopelessness or feeling like you're done with them. Father, that you would open our ears and open our hearts and restore our hope as we get a glimpse afresh of your faithfulness in the midst of our repeated unfaithfulness. So teach us, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to look at Peter's life. Uh, The first is Peter's bravado. Is that how you pronounce it? Bravado, bravado. This is just kind of giving us the setting and the background to the verses we're going to look at. Notice in John 13, 36, Peter asks Jesus, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. And then a typical Peter statement, and I'm this Peter is bravado. I'll also call it the last word. Peter almost always had to have the last word. You know, had to say something dramatic. He says, "Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you." And maybe that's maybe that's how some of us are. <laughs> God, I'll do anything for you. I will, I will never deny you. I will always be there for you. And, and Jesus just matter-of-factly says, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And, and Peter just vociferously just denies that. Then we come to the second thing. That's Peter's bravado. We see that all throughout the Gospels. But even more, we see Peter's bravery. The uh, Look at it in John 18.8. And I call this Peter's last stand. I mean, it's really an incredible scenario. Um, Judas has brought the soldiers with them to the Garden of Gethsemane. And they've confronted, Jesus says, I told you, I am. Daniel preached on this passage last week. It's one of my favorite passages. I mean, the English doesn't do it service. Jesus says, I told you. Literally, he says, I am. And and, in one of the Gospels, they fall back. I mean, I think it's just a flash of Jesus revealing himself as the I am, the sovereign God. He says, if you're looking for me, let these men go. And this happened so that the words he had spoken would be fulfilled. I have not lost one of those you gave me. And then in verse 10, notice Peter, who had a sword, he drew it and struck the high priest's servant cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And and I think, you know, Peter's not a soldier. He's a fisherman. Uh, so I think he was... He was really aiming to do some damage here, but he missed. And cuts off the ear instead of the head. Uh, But think of the incredible bravery here. I mean, they're surrounded by soldiers. I mean, they're vastly outnumbered. And this incredible boldness for his Lord, as he's like going to take them all on. Jesus commands Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And then the detachment of soldiers with his commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. And then I put a little note here in Luke twenty-two, fifty-four, when it says, seizing Jesus, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. It said Peter followed at a distance. and And I don't mean that as a slight. I mean, to me, that's incredible. I mean, he has just attempted murder, right? at least. Um, And now he's following after Jesus. I mean, all the rest of the disciples, except John, they've abandoned Jesus, and Peter, it's incredible bravery. Peter follows at a distance. Uh, So we come to number three, and we come to our passage. Uh, And And I'm titling this, Peter blows it. You know, there's been bravado, there's been bravery, and he thinks he is going to be this person that lays down his life for Jesus. But then we come to John 1815. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus, and I think it was John. Uh, he was known to the high priest, and he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. It's kind of like I think there was this, this. Uh, it was open to where uh, when you get through the gate, there's this huge courtyard and Jesus was being tried probably on the porch of the house and then there's this huge courtyard. And it was verse 16, Peter had to wait outside the door. Um, he's got to be nervous, don't you think? <laughs> uh, the other disciple who was known to the high priest came back, spoke to the servant girl on duty there and brought Peter in. In verse 17, she says, you aren't one of these man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. And he replied, I mean, this is the guy that had just tried to take on the whole soldier um, force and now he says I am not Um, you aren't one of this man's disciples too are you I am not it was cold and the servants and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm Peter also was standing with them warming himself let's keep going there we go and then it kind of gives us this little interlude. And it kind of just leaves Peter, and we're going we're gonna to come back to him, but it just kind of leaves him out in the cold, shivering, nervous, fearful. And in his mind, realizing he had just said, I am not his disciple. And so it gives us a little interlude. Meanwhile, the high priest questioned Jesus about his disciples and his teaching Jesus replied, I have openly spoken to the world. I always taught in synagogues or at the temple where all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. Why question me? Ask those who heard me. Surely they know what I said. And when Jesus said this, one of the officials nearby slapped him in the face. Is this the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? And Jesus replied, if I said something wrong testify as to what is wrong but if I spoke the truth why did you strike me and then Annas who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas sent uh, Jesus to Caiaphas the high priest so we could say back at the ranch I mean, Peter's still standing there warming himself and so they asked him again a second time you aren't one of his disciples too, are you? And he denied it, again, saying, I am not. Verse 26, then one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. This guy, he recognizes Peter and says, didn't I see you with him in the garden and again Peter denied it and at that moment a rooster began to crow. Can you imagine? I I mean we can imagine because we've been at that point, haven't we? Where it's like I can't there's no no turning back. Luke twenty two, sixty-one says this is a parallel passage the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Boy at that moment When the rooster crowed, Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Now we're going to look at Matthew because Matthew makes it even more painful, even more graphic. In Matthew 26, notice Peter was out in the courtyard, that same scenario. The servant girl comes to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. Notice that was number one. Verse 71, then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth, and he denied it again. Notice it says, with an oath. I don't know the man. I mean, he's, this isn't just, I don't know him. It's like, I don't know the damn man. I mean, he, he wants it really clear that he has, that he has nothing to do with this guy. And if you think I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm just going to cuss a little bit to emphasize that there's nothing between the two of you, the two of us. And then in verse 73, a little while later, those standing there said to Peter, you've got to be one of them. Your accent gives you away, meaning his Galilean accent, right? Or maybe his... Churchese accent, I don't know. You know, he sounded like a disciple. (laughs) I think it was his Galilean accent. And just to make it really sure, he says, it says he began to call down curses and he swore, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. Wow. So what can we learn from Peter, there's four things from these these passages that I think are really important that i want to I want to just summarize so that we can learn from Peter when we feel like um, we're beyond forgiveness or we've just sinned one too many times again. The first thing is. And I think we should find comfort in this. The first thing is we will all blow it bad, every single one of us. That's the first thing. I mean, if Peter did, I mean, this guy said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Every one of us will blow it bad, every single one of us. I mean, if you're here this morning and you think you've, you know, arrived at sainthood or somehow you've reached some pinnacle, I, I hate to break it to you, but it 's going to happen. Just think about Peter. Uh, he had blown it a few other times, right? Remember? Um, remember when he walked on the water i mean it 's like incredible faith, and he he takes his eyes off Jesus and looks at the the waves and the wind, and he starts to sink. <laughs> uh, Another time when Jesus is sharing his impending death, it was right after Peter had declared, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going I'm to be betrayed and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to die. You remember what Peter says? That'll never happen to you, Lord. I mean, he was the authority on what was going to happen to Jesus. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And one other time that came to my mind is when Jesus in John 13 was washing his disciples' feet. And Peter, again, that bravado, he says, you'll never wash my feet. I mean, (laughs) telling Jesus what to do. And Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have nothing to do with me. And he says, well, then wash my whole body. (laughs) Uh, And now we come to Peter and he's calling down curses and he's swearing I don't know the man This same Peter in Matthew twenty-six thirty-three, who said though they all fall away because of you I will never fall away boy I bet you he's regretting those words right now right I don't everybody everybody else could fall away but not me and he's swearing I don't know the man First Corinthians ten twelve is a really good verse to go with this. It says, "If you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall." So the first thing is, we will all blow it, bad every single one of us. And I think the point is, as we as we as we're going through life and and we're aware of how fickle and unfaithful we can be don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Uh, That that was Peter. Everybody else, but not me. The second thing is, and this is extremely comforting too, is that Jesus already knows that we're going to blow it. That's good news. God knows He doesn't love us because He's fooled by us and our words. You know, I don't care. Everybody else could fall away, but not me. And it's like, oh, wow, you're my man. God isn't fooled by our words. God loves us. God demonstrates His love toward us, Romans 5 8. And then while we were yet sinners, still sinners, Jesus died for us. It's not because God had some delusionary thinking that. You're the people, <laughs> you got it together, you can be my people. Jesus said, before the rooster crows, Peter, you will disown me three times. Jesus wasn't fooled by Peter's bravado, his his bravery, his, his big words. Jesus said he knew Peter and he knows us. Listen to Psalm 103, these are great words. It says, About God, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And I think that means who recognize their desperate need of him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. He knows us. And the point is that we can't do anything that surprises him or, 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 or throws him off his guard. He knows us. And he knows that we're going to fail. He knows that we're going to be unfaithful. He knows we're dust. And yet he loves us. The third thing is, is that in our unfaithfulness, Jesus will remain faithful. That's the good news because we will be unfaithful. I have been, you will be, we will be again, but Jesus will remain faithful. In Luke twenty-two thirty-three, Jesus told Peter, he says, I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And I think in this passage we read, probably the, one, the thing that impacts me the most is the look. Remember when it says, when Peter had made his third and final denial, what happened? Jesus, it says, turned and looked directly at Peter. And it was at that point where Peter, he, just, he remembered what Jesus had said, and he just broke down and he, he wept bitterly. Um... What happened with that look? I'm I'm guessing, but you know I can guess if it was me doing the look. Uh, my grandkids know that if I give them the look, yeah, yeah, you don't want to get that look from me. I'm. They're probably some of my employees that I give them the look, and they know that you know, you know, we won't go there. Unfortunately, probably most of the time when I give the look, it's one of disapproving, right? Or condemning or judging. Um, I, I love the way it's described in the book, The Cure, this unhealthy look, where it's this idea that I'm standing here and God is over there, and in between us is this pile of my sin. And God is looking at me with this disapproving look like, Dave, you did it again. That's not this look. That might be the way I look, but that's not this look. It, instead, it's the way it's described in the book, the cure, it's like here I am standing here and God is standing next to me. My my pile of sin is in front of me and us together and God's arm around me and we're looking at it and he looks at me and says, yep, that's pretty bad. That's a lot of sin. But we're in this together. (laughs) We're in this together. It's not him looking at me disapprovingly. It's him looking at me lovingly saying, my child, let's, let's face this together. And I think that's the look that, that Jesus at that moment gave Peter. As Jesus looked at him, Peter felt no condemnation. He felt no judgment. He just felt pure love from his Lord who looked at him and just longed for him to come home. The point is, our hope is in God's faithfulness when we're hopeless because of our unfaithfulness. He remains the same. The fourth thing is that restoration then is through repentance. You know, there's, it's interesting to contrast two individuals, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, and, and Peter, who denied Jesus. And and, and there's a contrast between what I call remorse and repentance. Listen, in Matthew 27, 3, describing Judas, it says, When Judas, who had betrayed Jesus, saw that Jesus was condemned, he was seized with remorse. And he returned the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, and he said, I have sinned, for I have betrayed innocent blood. Judas felt remorse. And and the way I describe it is he felt bad. I mean, this person who had done everything for him, poured his life into him, he condemned to death. And he felt bad. He felt remorse. But he didn't feel repentance. Peter, on the other hand, when Jesus looked at him with that love, it says he went outside and he wept bitterly he didn't just feel bad his heart was broken in in psalm 51 17 it says a broken and a contrite heart you god will not despise and it's like the it's like the tax collector standing in the temple not able to lift his eyes and instead he just says god be merciful to me a sinner and so Jesus looking at him with that love, it it breaks Peter's heart. It 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 doesn't fill him with shame. But it causes him to recognize his guilt. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The, The enemy wants to fill us with shame. That just causes remorse and, and, and just causes us to grovel and cringe and, and to wallow in our unfaithfulness. But that when we see his love and understand his faithful love to us, it will bring us to conviction and to guilt and repentance, heart change. And so the point is that true change impacts the heart, brings about true repentance. When we understand his faithful love, And it won't just impact the tear ducts. There can be a lot of tears without repentance. So how are things with us? Have you majorly this past week screwed screwed up again? (laughs) One more time? Like, God, is that the last straw? Um, Just within the past few months... I hurt someone really bad because of the way I treated them i didn't mean to and and to be honest i didn 't even realize that I had hurt them until it was brought to my attention and then it overwhelmed me and i i was I struggled with all the same thoughts I think that Peter had to be struggling with as he three times denied the Lord who loved him so much. How could I treat someone that way? How could I be that kind of a person? What was I to do? What needed to happen? As I struggled with shame and embarrassment and condemnation, I mean, all those things of, was that the last straw? Had I been just unfaithful too many times? I think for me, it was kind of going through this scripture and and reflecting on these truths, for me, it was, again, a time to remember these things. Number one, that I mess up bad. You know, I think one of the things that had happened for me is I'd, I think I'd let pride creep in. Um, making me think that I was this great guy that cared for people all the time. And 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 I'd let pride creep in to where I... Um, I could be a jerk. I could hurt people. Um, So it was, for me, a a humbling thing, a reminding thing that I can mess up really bad. The second thing, though, it really helped me to realize that Jesus didn't think any less of me. Um, When I'm in the middle of these kind of things, it's easy for me to think pretty bad of me. It's really helpful for me and for us to remember what Jesus thinks about us. That he didn't think any less of me. He loved me. I was his child, that I'm a work in progress. And the third thing is, is that he's faithful. That kind of that illustration again, that as this happened and as I went through this, that he was alongside me and we were looking at how I'd screwed up together and together how we move forward with his forgiveness and his love Um, it wasn't him on the other side of this looking at me with disapproval and saying Dave and then the last thing it reminded me again of how again I needed a heart change a heart broken by my sin needing Jesus to again cleanse me and that that could happen because he was alongside me. And, and like it says in 1 John 1, 9, that if I confess my sin and as I confess my sin, he would be faithful and just because he went to the cross for my sin. He knew all about it and he forgave me again to cleanse me from all righteousness and to make me completely right with him so I don't need to live a life of groveling or cringing or beating myself up because it's about not my unfaithfulness, but it's about his faithfulness. I just want to, in closing, read the words to an old hymn that just really good words. It's called Softly and Tenderly. If you are old like me and you've heard this hymn. It says, Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals, he is waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Come home, come home. Ye who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, calling. O oh, sinner, come home. Oh, for the wonderful love he has promised, promised for you and for me. Though we have sinned, he has mercy and pardon, pardon for you and for me. Come home, come home. You who are weary, weary of feeling like there's no forgiveness, there's no hope. You who are weary, come home earnestly, tenderly. Jesus is calling calling oh sinner come home let's pray oh father your love is incredible you know all about us you know how bumbling and failing and uh, we can be I just thank you for your incredible love that is available to us in Jesus Jesus to pardon, to forgive, and to call us back home. Thank you. Amen.